Um, this is just a tribute to all the mamas in the house. Happy Mother's Day. You're looking fine. Somebody went shopping. Somebody got a new outfit. You know, I have to tell, I didn't tell this the first service. So I told my husband, I said, baby, I'm going to get a new outfit for Mother's Day. I'm going to go get me a new outfit. And he says, okay, you know, that's good. Let's go. So I go to a store at the Brea Mall and I find it, but they don't have it in my size. So they call down to um, uh, Fashion Island and yes, sure, they have it. And so he, I said, baby, you want to go with me? And you know, let's go together. Let's go get my new little outfit. We'll do this together. And so five o'clock on Friday, going to Fashion Island. <laughs> We weren't thinking. I don't know. So we're driving down there. We get down there, and I go in, and I'm so excited about my new outfit, only to find out that it wasn't there. So I guess they sold it to somebody else. So, you know, I, I think it was just such great love, baby, that you would go with me, and you cared to go with me, um, and he was happiest because it wasn't there, and so we didn't have to buy me a new outfit, and so that was all good. You know, being a mama is an interesting thing. They say it's finding a strength you didn't know you had and a fear you didn't know existed. That's what a mama is. Matter of fact, coming in, I heard a couple mamas talking, and one mama said, that is it, I am done. I am selling my kid on eBay. Her girlfriend looked at her and said, girl, you crazy, you made them, sell them on Etsy. So good. For those of you who don't know, Etsy is a site that you put homemade stuff on. Um, so, you know, you've ever heard the adage, silence is golden, unless you have children, and then silence is suspicious be it young or old. There were many times it was a little too silent, my mom said, when my boyfriend was in town. All right, you guys gonna get that. So silence is a scary thing. Um, you know, today I wanna talk to you about being worth the wait. Worth the wait. Listen, it's gonna be good. When the presence of God hits your darkness. When the presence of God hits your darkness. So what I wanna do, talking about wait, is I want to first make a confession. See, when we come to church, we're supposed to confess. So I'm going to make the first confession of the day, um, unless you've already made one. But I am a patientless driver. I have no patience when I drive. I hope you don't see me. Don't wave at me when you see me. Don't give me the thumbs up. Ignore me. I am a bad driver when it comes to patience. So I'm coming out of the store the other day, and I've looked at the light, and I knew that I could make it. It was amber, and I just knew I could make it. And as I'm going through it, the girl in front of me decides to stop. And I'm like, girlfriend, you could have gone. You just lost three seconds. I mean, I'm having this moment in me, like, and I'm sitting there, I'm sitting there waiting, 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 and the light turns green, and she starts texting. You, oh, yeah, you've been there. Some of you are just like me. And I mean, everything in me, like, go, and I literally honked. And then I, I startled myself. I thought, girlfriend, slow down. Settle down. And I realized I am the most impatient person when it comes to driving. I have three seconds to get nowhere. I don't even know where I was going. But, you know, it seemed like we should go. And so I'm a very impatient person. So what I want to do, I think when you come to church, it should be fun. Yeah. It should also be a little Jesus up in your business, and we'll get to that in a minute. But for right now, we're going to have some fun. So I want to know what you think about the wait. I'm going to ask you if you think it's worth the wait, and you're going to yell out, yes. Or no, boo, never, I wouldn't do that, okay? Worth the wait, Costco gas. No, no, no. all right, no, we had some people in the first service, and George and Lisa, they'll wait forever for a nickel. She's Jewish, whatever, you know? I mean, literally, yeah, they do, they do. These people wait, and they have plenty of money not to, so, you know, figure that one. All right, worth the wait, In-N-Out Burger. Woo, we're all in agreement. Okay, Starbucks coffee. No. Come to Bodie, it's better. Yeah, come on. All right, give a shout out to Bodie. 
Is it worth the wait standing in line at the airport? Airport security. Yes, because we want to be secure. You know, we want, they could do it better. Okay, so is it worth the wait waiting on your spouse to get ready? Oh, there's some marriages that need some counseling right now up in this house. All right. Okay, here's a question. Do you think I take longer getting ready or Pastor Phil takes longer getting ready? Baby, they did. They know you so well. He has more hair products than I do. That is no lie before God. I mean, the guy loves his hair. Okay, so worth the wait. I'm going to ask you. You do, baby, all of them. He's got a lot of, and that's all his. He's, he's got nice hair. You're good looking. I didn't do so bad. I mean, so I hate waiting. I... Many of you heard the story. No, I ain't telling it. All right, um, we're going to move on. So we talked about waiting. I found this little video clip. I thought it was so great. And this little guy is having the hardest time waiting. Turn your eyes to the screen and watch. This morning, uh, we have accepted Christ as his Savior and as his Lord. And he will demonstrate his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, by willingly being baptized this morning. He's been waiting on this day a long time. <laughs> and so, Jordan, upon the profession of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Go, Jordan! Don't you just, I can't wait another minute. He wanted his Jesus moment. You know, them preachers, they just keep talking. They just keep talking. You're ready to have your moment with God, and you're like, let me have it. It was so, so good. I love that little video. Well, it had been 400 years of darkness between the Old Testament and the New Testament. God was silent. The prophets had spoken, and the people believed He said one would come, one would come preparing the way. He said the Messiah would come, there would be signs and wonders and miracles. But year after year after year, the people waited. 400 years, generation after generation after generation, they waited and they waited for God. They'd go to the temple, they'd pray, they would believe, and yet God was silent. We find the story of the first mother in the New Testament in the book of Luke. In Luke 1, we hear a story of a woman named Elizabeth, and her husband, Zachariah. And they were righteous, godly, good people. Now get this picture. They had asked God for a miracle. They had asked God for a child. But her womb was closed, and she was old. Now, what I like to do when I read the Bible, I'm going to give you kind of like how I enjoy the Bible. I open it up, and I read a story, and I believe God loves story. Shout out for story. God's all about story. The Bible's full of stories and parables, and I've just started something called Story Club, and I believe in teaching people stories, so I love stories. But what I do when I read the, the Bible is I literally step into the story, and I ask myself, which character would I be in the story? So not man or woman, good or bad, or I just say which of all the characters listed are like me. So when I was reading this passage, I said, would I be the Zechariah? Would I be the one who had been the priest, a good man? His job was to go to the temple, to pray with everybody, to believe with everybody, to clean up the temple, to do all the work. He went to God's house, and yet God didn't answer his prayer. 
Would I have been Elizabeth, a woman who had believed and felt shame? Because in the New Testament, if you could not conceive a child, you were marked with shame. People literally thought that God was not on you. God did not love you. And although we don't say that today, women feel that often when they struggle with not being able to conceive. And I want you to know right now, shame is of the enemy. Lies are of the enemy. Satan would love to come and bring shame, and it's of the enemy. So I, I sat there in Elizabeth's place, and I thought, God, what is it in me right now that I feel has died? What did I want to conceive? What dream or what vision did I believe you had for me and it's died? And I believe a lot of us right now, it may not be a child that you're trying to conceive, but it's an idea, it's a job, it's a wayward child coming back. It's cancer being gone and you believed it, but you've not seen the evidence of it. There's something brewing and stirring and you're asking God, where have you been? And you're contending for it, but maybe you're a little weak. I believe there's a divine dance and it's faith and doubt, and faith, and doubt, and faith, and I'll go faith, 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 God, where are you? Doubt, 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 doubt. Faith, 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 faith. I come to church and I stir it all up. That's why church is good for you people. You need to be, we got to stir you up and get, activate you. And then you get back in the world and you're going, I don't know, maybe it was emotional. No, it was spiritual. Come on, that was good. All right, God uses your emotions. Just 411, 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says that God created us body, soul, and spirit. That we are made in his image, the triune God. We are tripart being body, soul, and spirit. And you are to steward all of them. Which means not only your physical body, but your spirit and your soul. And God uses that when you come to church. Let me just say right now, man, was that not an incredible worship set? Alton, where are you, brother? It was amazing. From Bethel Church, really brought some spirit from Reading today. Michael's always on point. Whitney, I just love watching you. I love watching you worship. You know, one thing you don't realize, guys, is your job as worship leaders is to enter us into worship. That's what worship leaders did. I don't know how much you know about the tribes of Israel, but they would always send out Judah, which was the worship tribe first, even before the military. And they went out first, and they would praise. They would break down all the warfare, the spiritual warfare. And so praise has to go before us, and you guys are supposed to stir us up. And I'm watching some people over here, like, going crazy dancing. I'm like, okay, they're just a little much. No, it's exactly what they need to do. That's their thing. What's your thing? See, all I'm saying here is don't be afraid to let God activate your emotions because he made us that way. He made us. It's okay to be in touch with your emotions. God, it, a lot of times we have to break down that hard shell around us so he can really speak to us. So here's what I know about Mother's Day because I've been doing this a lot of years as a pastor's wife. <clears throat> and pastor, I guess I get to maybe kind of be that today, right? I get to preach. A lot of you came today for your mama. You ask your mama, what do you want for Mother's Day? The only thing she wanted was for you to come to church today. And you thought to yourself, it's a lot cheaper than a gift. And so here you are, all right? So I just kudos to all of you kids that are here for your mama. She's gonna take you to brunch and pay for it. So you thought, man, no gift and free lunch, I'll go to church, I'll do anything today. All right, I know you people in the house, I've been doing this long enough, so here's my question. Would you be willing for the next 20 minutes to be about you and not your mama? Would you just let the next 20 minutes that we're together and allow Holy Spirit speak to your heart and just say, I happen to be in this house, which I thought was for mama, but maybe it's for me. Because when we come to church, we need to come as the church, as a group of people. The word church actually means the ecclesia, the called out ones. We're called out of darkness into light. We're coming here to get a word from God. So if you will listen, you will receive. 
God does speak. Even in the 400 years of silence, he was still speaking. He was still mooing. He was still wooing. And that's what he does. Even in your silence, he's still speaking. Here's how I know. The Bible says that God speaks with a still, small voice. And he speaks with a different voice than any other voice. He doesn't sound like my husband or my children or my mama. He sounds like my God. And when he speaks to me, I know him. And that may be new terminology to you, and you may go, I, I don't know, I don't do this church thing. And that's okay. We're all on a journey. God knows where we are on the journey. He will meet you on the journey. But just be willing to say, God, if you're real, and if you can speak to me today, I'm willing to listen. Is that fair enough? So for the next few moments, what I want to do is I want to show you what I do. When I read this passage, these literally are the questions I ask myself. So again, when I do Bible study, I step into the story. I ask myself, which character am I right now in the story? And I let God just ask me questions back from the word of God. So here's the first one that I believe that God says to me. Just because you love God doesn't mean you won't have heartache. Just because you love God doesn't mean you won't have heartache. I really thought that if I was a good girl, I would get my way. I grew up in a good Christian home. I played by the rules. I was the good girl. Be the good girl. Get your way. And I had this, this presupposition, this philosophy, this doctrine that God blesses the good people. Now, that is false. That's not how God works. God blesses his people when he's ready and how he's ready to bless his people. And the more I realized, because whenever I would get heartache, I would ask God, God, what did I do wrong? Instead of, God, what did I do right that you are preparing me? You're preparing me right now for something I wasn't ready for. You're using something in my life right now that I can't see. The scripture tells us right here in Luke 1, 6, both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all of the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. So we see right here, here is this couple. They seem to be doing it all right. Do you ever look at somebody and go, of course God blesses them. They do everything right. It seems like they're doing everything right. They're righteous. They're observing all the Lord's commandments, so they're doing what he says to do, and they're blameless, but, but they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and she was very old. I love the way the Bible says she wasn't just old. She was very old. She, the Bible wants us to know ain't nothing going to happen at home tonight. She was old. And God wants you to know a lot of times when your dreams die, when they're old dreams, he still wants to resurrect them. When they're dreams that you've given up on, when you say they're impossible, that's when God's ready to act. Often your deepest pain becomes your greatest growth. Your deepest pain becomes your greatest growth. I will tell you the points that I have grown the most are what have been the darkest hour of my soul. When I didn't have a husband to go to because I didn't want to. Because I was mad at him. Or because I was hurt. I just like to get honest when I'm preaching. Is that all right? And, and I couldn't run to him. I couldn't tell my kids. I want them to think I have a perfect life. I had to go alone to God in my secret place. I had to pour out my heart in a way I'd never poured out my heart before. And until you get to a place, every one of us, and that's what's so beautiful about this, God knows you better than you know yourself. God knows the condition of your soul better than you do. And when you start to pull back the layers and you get honest and you get real and you get vulnerable, your greatest growth is coming. I am not who I am today, who I was not before. Everything about me from starting this church to pressing into the supernatural things of God to believing God to exercising faith, I'm a different person. But I had to go through dark hours of the soul and dark hours of the spirit. And that's where God wants to meet you. Number two, when we align ourselves with people of prayer, we see God move. When we align ourselves with people of prayer, Janine, 
you know, a prayer warrior. We pray when we align ourselves, and you give me prophetic words, when we align ourselves with people of prayer, we see God move. Look what the scripture says. And when the time came for the burning of incense, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Now here, let me give you the story. Here he goes to work that day to the temple. He's old. He's a priest. His job is to do a priestly duty. How many of you are going to work and not expecting God to do anything that day? That's exactly what Zechariah was doing. He gets to the temple, and they cast lots, which means they just drew everybody's name, and they estimate there were 20,000 priests that could have had their name drawn. Now listen to me, that very moment, that very hour, that very day, this very old man's name was drawn to go into the temple and to light the incense at the altar. God had an appointed time for him. Something happens when there's a stirring in the spirit realm of prayer. You know, I said last week, I, there has never been a time in the history of this church in seven years that more of you have come to me and asked me to pray for you. Marriages, cancer, children, jobs, affliction, struggle. I mean, I was bombarded with people last week. I told Phil, God, I've never had so many people broken. And I called my friend Lori D'Angelo. They're on the board of the church. And I said, I am so giddy. I'm so giddy. And she goes, why, what? Tell me, tell me. I said, there are so many people struggling right now. And she goes, is that a good thing? I said, it's a God thing. Because when we get to the place that we start praying together in unity as a church, we start seeing God move. When we start saying, I believe together for your miracle and your miracle and your miracle and your miracle, there is what I believe is a tipping point. Somebody believes it. There is a tipping point in the supernatural realm. Now listen, every time you walk by that prayer wall, I don't think you realize the power of the prayer wall. It's the God in the prayer wall. But there's a tipping point because there's over 70,000 prayer requests in that wall. We lay our hand on that wall. We pray. We believe. We're asking. We pray. We believe. There's a tipping point. And I love what the Word of God says. The psalmist says, may my prayer be before you like incense. May the prayers that I pray before you be like incense. May the prayers that I pray before you be like incense. The Bible tells us in Revelation that the golden bowls full of incense, incense were the prayers of the saints. Do you realize at this very moment, this old man walking in the temple, his job was to light the incense. He was praying. He had prayed his whole old life. He had prayed and prayed and prayed. And this very moment, God said, it's your time. 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 And I tell you, every time I pray, I walk around our neighborhood, I walk around the church, I do my, I just know it's time. It's time. And I'm calling it. I mean, I'm telling you, we're going to have a supernatural Sunday one of these weeks, going to slap you silly because the Holy Spirit, and I don't mean, I don't mean like crazy. You know, there's cray cray kind of Christians. You know, I mean, and, and I'm going to make fun of it, and I'm going to tell you how I had to repent from it. Because I didn't grow up in, like, very what we would call charismatic or Pentecostal, whatever words, terminology you like to give all those Christian churches. I mean, we all do it, right? We all have our little boxes that we talk about people. And I grew up in a very conservative Christian church. So when I would go to those kinds of experiences, I'd look at people like having whatever they were having and having a Jesus moment, and it's like, was weird to me. And I'm like, I don't want to ever do that. Now, I'm just true confession here. I want you to know my heart because a lot of you don't know me and I want you to know my heart. And I realized every time I said that, I wasn't going to receive that. I was decreeing over my life I would never have that kind of experience with God. I was keeping myself in a cold, stale box. I knew the word of God, but I wasn't experiencing the word of God. I wasn't expressing the word of God. And I was praying the other day and I felt in my spirit I had to confess that to God.
God, if I've done anything to hinder my spirit from having supernatural experiences, anything in my spirit to man, making me just vulnerable to where you want to get all up in my business and you want to show whatever you need to show, you want to do whatever you need to do. And there was like this release in my spirit. And some of us need to confess things that we've said over our life. You know, our, our words are die, uh, death or life. And what you're saying right now, so if you're looking at somebody having an experience going, God, that's weird, you'll probably never have it. Now, again, I started this by saying we're emotional people, and so you will go where you're comfortable. And every, everybody in this house has full expression to where you're comfortable. Sometimes I just sit, on, sit there. Sometimes I get on my knees. But find the expression that you're comfortable with to meet God. And here was this old man going to the temple to light the incense. At that very moment, his prayers went up. And here's what the Bible says. Let's go on with our story. God hears our prayers the moment we speak them. He went in to pray for the people. That was his job. He was going in to pray for the people. And here's what the Bible says. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When you're at that prayer wall, you just start keep praying. Those prayers are going up. Those prayers are going up. When Zachariah saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you will call him John. He literally looked at him and said, I've heard your prayer from the moment you prayed it way back when. Remember that prayer, Zechariah? Remember that prayer that you prayed that you've forgotten about for a son? And I want to ask you right now, what prayer needs to be resurrected in your life? What prayer have you stopped praying because you think you're too old? I believe that night was a good night for Zechariah. I believe that that night God not only fulfilled his destiny, but he had the fruit of his blessing right there over his proclamation. I love this verse. It's, it's really good. Um, hmm. I'm going to move on to this next one first. Let me do this. Daniel, oh, it's Daniel 9, 23. It says, as soon as you began to pray, a word went out. The same angel came to Daniel and said, the minute you began to pray, a word went out. Do you know that heaven is on alert with your prayers? They know them, and they will be released at the right time. Do you realize that everything that you've prayed for, you may not be ready for? Do you realize some of the things you're praying for, you're just not ready for? The foundation's not strong enough. Some of you can't handle the things you've asked God for. And you begin to just say, God, in your timing, I'm waiting for you to release these things. The next thing I believe is that when God gives you a prophetic word, you need to believe him. When God gives you a prophetic word, now that wasn't something that I grew up with. It was a new terminology for me. Prophetic, the definition actually of prophetic means accurately describing or predicting what will happen in the future. So I've had a lot of people come up to me, just had somebody right after the service, and she gave me a prophetic word. She had a dream. So when people say that to me, let me just give, give you a little what I do, someone will come to me and give me a word. I'll take that word and I'll write it down and I'll ask the Holy Spirit to bear witness of my spirit if that's from him. And then I begin to look for two or three people as they come to me and say, is there commonality and consistency in this word? The Bible says that by two or three witnesses, the word will come. So God will start to speak to you. And some of us aren't seeing it because we're not listening and we're not looking for it. If you stop and you say, God, I want divine moments. I want Holy Spirit moments. I want to see you. You'll start hearing him and going, oh my gosh, there's a pattern here. There's a pattern. I'm hearing something here. It could be through numbers. It could be through a vision. It could be through an experience. It could be through a proclamation over you. Just hold it in your heart. And when God's ready to birth it, he'll birth it in you. That's what a prophetic word is. And that's what exactly God did in his life. The waiting periods of our life are meant to bring God glory. 
The waiting periods in your life are meant to bring God glory. I know there's people waiting. I'm praying with people that are waiting. And you're in the wait, and God says, just wait. The Bible's so clear with this. It says, and the Lord has done this for me, she said. In the days he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace. Let me ask you something. In the wait, you're doing one of two things. And just ask yourself in the spirit right now in the wait. Are you waiting in frustration or anticipation? In frustration or anticipation? Do you know that your very face I can read? I can read whether you're walking in anticipation or whether you're walking in frustration. If you're angry at God and you're angry at others and you can't bless others, you're jealous of their miracle, you're jealous of their divine encounters, or you're saying, mine's on the way. Mine's on the way. What are you decreeing? What are you declaring? What are you believing God for? Look at the scripture. It's so good. God wants to give you a miracle. God wants to give you a miracle. So when I walked through this passage and I was doing the study and I wrote these points down, I was saying this to me, Tammy, God wants to give you your miracle. God wants to give you your miracle. And there have been so many things that God has already blessed me with that I believed him for. But when I wrote this the first time, it wasn't for you. So when I went over my notes, I thought, God, can I say that? Because I don't want somebody in the house to go, where's my miracle? Same thing with Eric and David when you sat here. You've waited eight years for that, which I love the number eight is the number of new beginnings. Right? The number eight is the number of new beginnings. And um, this is your new beginning. And God works in signs and wonders and numbers. And that's what I mean. If you look, he's speaking. God is not silent. God does speak. Most of us just don't know the God language. You know, he speaks in a different dialect than some of us are willing to and patient enough to wait for. He speaks in stillness. He speaks in silence. There's times where I'm on my prayer walk and I'm not saying a word and God is downloading things in my spirit. He's just downloading things in my spirit. And you know, sometimes again, remember it seems odd because it's supposed to seem odd. It's not natural. That's why it's called supernatural. Spiritual things should be supernatural. If you understand spiritual things, then they're not spiritual. They're natural. Because God will always rise above your understanding because he's God. If you can reason it, it's in your own mind and your own understanding. God wants to work supernaturally. He wants to give you a miracle. So I realize in this house, people are waiting on jobs. People are waiting on wayward kids. I know because I'm praying with you. Some of you say my marriage is over and you are getting ready to sign divorce papers. I'm telling you, I know that. But I'm telling you that God's in the wait. God's saying, would you be willing to wait? Would you be willing for me to work? Would you be willing to surrender? God is not done. The Bible tells us that when the time came for Elizabeth to have her child, she gave birth to a boy. Her neighbors and the relatives celebrated with her because they had heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy. It says on the eighth day when it came time to circumcise a child, they wanted to call him Zachariah because that was his father's name. But his mother replied, no, his name will be John. Now let me tell you why this is so good. They were given a prophetic word. Let's go back in the story. Can you imagine? He has this moment. The, April, the, God, the angel Gabriel comes to him. He looks at him. He says, you will have a child and his name will be John. Everything up in his business is going, what just happened to me? When you have a supernatural encounter with God, it's going to bring fear over you. Because everything that's natural is going to be uncomfortable in you. Everything that you can't understand in your reasoning. You know, I've shared a story um, with some of you that 
a few years ago, we were in South Africa, and I had never had like really supernatural experiences, meaning like I'm very, um, I'm articulate, I'm passionate, I'm busy, I know the word of God, I got God figured out. Like he and I are partners. And then when he goes and he does something that I can't put on paper, it's a little confusing to me. And when I was on a prayer walk, and I had a real divine moment that shifted me. It's kind of funny, I told Phil last week, we're in a sermon series called Shift. And I'm really believing that there's a shift happening in this house. There's a shift happening in marriages. There's a shift happening in our staff. There's a shift happening in our lives. And when God begins to work, he shifts us. And I was going up this road, and I began to meet God in a supernatural way. I was listening to Kim Walker Smith sing, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Don't invite him if you don't want him. And I got to the top of this hotel where we were staying, and there was like an altar up there where they did weddings. And I fell on my face before singing, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come and fill the atmosphere. And I am singing not with Kim now, I'm singing from my heart. And I am releasing and surrendering everything about me. Everything honest to God. I mean honest to God. And it was a vomit session that needed to happen. Come on, some of you need to just get sick before God. (laughs) All right, come on. And I had an encounter that changed me. Now, I'm always careful because sometimes when people come and you're like, okay, I didn't quite get that. It was my experience, it was my encounter. You all and each have to have your own. There has to come a place of surrender for you that you release and you receive. That you release and you receive. I love this story because here he has, and he has this encounter and the angel comes and he speaks to him. Now let me just give you the the backside of the story. They were old, very old. The Bible says that she had not conceived yet. She would conceive after he decreed. He had to go home, and he couldn't speak, so he had to have the pad and paper. Michael, can you see this? You can't speak. Ivy, we're going to have a baby. Michael, we're old. I just kind of see him as like even like, you know, leave it to Beaver when they have like those separate twin beds. You know, like, how is this going to happen? That's how weird it was. Like, if God told me, I'm getting ready to have a baby, I would rebuke it and puke it. That one, I, that's just not something I'm praying. All right, now stay with me. So he has to go home to mama and say, we're going to have a child. Listen, there's a spiritual application, which means they have to act on in a prophetic manner and believe in God for the conception of their miracle. Some of you need to conceive the miracle that God told you years ago. Some of you are not. You've just let go. The child hasn't come home. The marriage didn't work. I'll never get the job. I'll never have the idea. I'll never have the breakthrough. I'll never have the healing. God's telling you right now that he wants you to conceive your miracle. And the miracle may look different than you thought. This was the last thing they ever thought they would have. It was beautiful because they said, his name will be John. And here's the part I want to talk to you about real quickly. It's eight days. He's eight days old. They go to the temple to circumcise him. And the Bible says that Zechariah has been mute. He cannot speak. He can't say a word until she decrees his name. So everyone around is going, oh, it's a little Zechariah. Oh, you have a little Zechariah. And she looks and she says, no, his name will be called John. 
which was the prophetic word that Gabriel said. At the moment she decreed it, it says that Zechariah's mouth was open and he could speak. She had to decree it on their behalf. It wasn't just Zechariah that had the divine encounter. She had to have a prophetic moment. God wants to meet every one of us where we are. God cares about every one of our stories right where we are. I want to ask you in closing right now, where are you in the wait? Where are you in the wait? Wait is spelled W. A-I-T. This would be a good place to take some notes. These were the exact same questions that God asked me when he said to me, are you willing for the wait? And let me just tell you, this was like a crazy week, a really cool week for me. I'm believing God for some things that nobody knows, not even my husband. I wrote some things down that are so big that only God could do. I wrote them in my journal. I've written them down so that when they happen, I can say I wrote it down on that day before it happened. So do you remember me telling you a few weeks about the lady who gave me the seeds when I was in Hawaii, and I spoke on the seeds, and she gave me this huge bag of seeds? Lives in Tulsa. I really don't know her. She texts me on Tuesday morning. I wake up to a text, and she said, Tammy, I had a dream about you. And she literally laid out the exact same thing I'm asking God for. She used she, exactly the same, the person I'm believing for, the opportunity I'm believing for, that's so big that when it happens, you guys are going to go, that's a God thing. Fifteen minutes later, a completely different woman texts me with a scripture. She said, God laid you on my heart this morning and told me to tell you to believe this. He's getting ready to act on your behalf. Now, what do I do with those things? Do I just hold them in my heart? No, I step out on them. I'm doing what I'm doing right now. I'm decreeing, I'm declaring that God's getting ready to do something that's written in my journal that none of you know. That's worth the wait. That's worth the wait because he will get the glory in the end. Right now, if you'll listen, you'll begin to hear God say some things to you. Don't give up. I love you. I've been there. Resurrect that dream. I'm coming through. So worth the wait. W, what are you asking God to do? If you're not asking God to do anything, don't expect him to do anything. There's a correlation between asking and receiving. When we step out in faith, when we ask God, when we believe, I may be in the motion, but I am on my way forward. God wants to work. What are you asking God to do? A, are you willing to accept God's timing for your response? These are things I wrote down for me. Tammy, are you willing to wait for God's timing? I'm telling you what, when we started this church, I didn't think God was ever going to show up. It was a long, hard road the first few years, but God was preparing me for my platform. God was preparing me for my message. God was preparing me for my audience. That's what God's doing with you. I, is there something God is telling you to do before he can answer you? You know, um, it's called a relationship with God for a reason. Some of us want God to do all the work. Anybody hear me? Some of us aren't willing to do anything. We're kind of sitting in that, all to Jesus I surrender, all to him I freely give. And we want him to do all the work. I'm telling you, I know, I know that some of you know you're supposed to be doing something and you're not doing it. I know. I mean, just that's how God works. And he's, he waits. You know, somebody came up to me at the end of the service. It was actually Danny. And he said, Tammy, when you were preaching in the first service, it really hit me because it was like God said, and I'm waiting on you. Hey, Danny, that's good. I mean, we're waiting on God, but did you ever think maybe he's waiting on you? He's waiting on you to trust him, to ask and to believe. T, wait. Do you trust that God is working on your behalf even when you can't see the evidence? 
you know, this message was for me. It helped me. I love to read the Word of God. I love to be a character in the Word of God. I love to ask myself questions. But it can also be for you because God wants to speak to you. So I'm going to ask as we stand right now, and in a moment we're going to go into a song. Just go ahead and stand with me. That you ask yourself, where am I in the wait? Where am I in the wait? Have you even asked the question, is there something you're supposed to do? Are you trusting God? For all of you who came today out of duty, would you be willing to leave different? Would you be willing to say, I had an encounter with God today? There ain't nothing special about me other than God loves me. And he loves you too. So as these guys lead us in worship and bring the lights down, we want to have a God moment. If you want to hear him, he will speak. What are you waiting for?